Welcome to Psyched, a podcast about psychiatry that covers everything from the foundational to the cutting edge, from the popular to the weird. Thanks for tuning in. I think there, there is a, a lot of uh, bravery in approaching this topic, no matter where you come from or, or what your background is. And, and I think that, you know, especially so when... You know, some people might say that this is kind of a an intramural problem, that this is a physician problem and physicians need to deal with it. Or maybe uh, alternatively, that this is a healthcare problem and so physicians need to deal with it. Um, what would you say to, to that perspective? Uh, are, are you, uh, you said you've been silenced, but uh, should this be something that is only for physicians to talk about? Um. The difficult thing about having physicians be the only people who talk about it is that a physician has a direct financial impact in their lives by this topic. If you have a serious mental illness as a physician, that can mean you lose your job. If you um, have a financial incentive as a healthcare system to not um, employ a physician with a mental illness, what does that mean in terms of disability rights? And what does that mean in terms of our ability? So I, I think physicians um, know a lot. I think they're super accomplished. And I think they really value academics. And I really like that they, they want things that are validated. I like the the healing belief. I also think they don't have the freedom that the system, the system isn't designed for them to criticize itself. It's designed for them to perform or not perform. So someone like me, it had the biggest direct financial impact as like the loss of the you know, the loss of all that medical school and all that training um, directly impacted my kids financially, obviously. And I had a bigger loss than a specific physician would have. I mean, not a physician that's losing, you know, losing their job or, you know, passing away. But those voices are sometimes lost. And the people in the conversation can't they aren't as unfettered as we want to we we need them to be to make honest decisions and and discuss that honestly like you feel less limited by external forces because it's your life and your story not some story controlled by their job yes like this this is something where I don't have to put it on my licensure my complete mental health history which I think in 29 states they ask you to do that, even in your renewal. I don't have to report to my employer. Um, when you've already had a suicide loss, we don't. There's nothing to lose anymore, and physicians want that stability, and they want that safety that they can find in academic medicine and within, you know, knowing what's right and wrong. But this isn't a safe topic. So I think it's important for people like me to be there and say, yeah, but you guys are saying all this stuff. Like 
even when you talk about it, sometimes it's like an alternate universe. They talk about it like as if physicians are all saints or all so sad instead of they're really just humans. You know, some of them are jerks. Some of them that you work with, um, you don't like. And you can talk to nurses and doctors about that. So maybe it needs more sarcasm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know if I've ever met a nurse or doctor that I don't like. (laughs) Never, never. I've never, I've literally never met an unreasonable one either. And neither have you. Um, It's just like, you know, it's the same. Like there are sad ones, there are happy ones, there are people who get better, there are people who don't. It's it's the same. Yeah. Like everyone knows that one guy who they just didn't like and, Like how, when we're talking about mental health and when we're talking about a healthy system, we need to separate those two. So it's not just like that one selfish guy who thought he was the best person ever. Now he's talking about how he's the best person ever with mental health and he's going to make things better for everybody if you were just more like him, you know, because that's a little Um, (laughs) off-putting. Yeah. So I think it's, I actually think it gives me more freedom because I can say things like, yeah, but it was like shocking to me how much, how much some of the people that I've met in medicine do Coke or (laughs) other performance enhancing drugs. And they don't think it's a big deal because they're just enhancing their performance. Um, So I can talk about the culture, but not be um, controlled by the culture because I don't have the same requirements for having the best school, having the best um, resume, having those things to check off my list because I was just married to one and um, I wasn't trying to compete with everyone. So I think it's been positive for me in a lot of ways to be outside that because I because they're not threatened by it and I'm not competing with them. Like the one-upmanship, I'm like, well, that's too bad you went to medical school. That sounds brutally awful. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like something I would not do. <laughs> I mean, I mean, maybe I would. Who, you know, <laughs> I had thought about that, but we never know where life will take us. And uh, so, yeah, that's a great question too because... I think part of the stigma is that no one wants to hear the rich doctor whining either. Like, because they do in a lot of ways have a lot of privilege and they have a lot of respect and authority in the community. So hearing them say how hard it is, sometimes people are like, really? You know, it's hard. It's hard for people to really grasp that. Yes. Say more about that. I mean, I think that especially um, nowadays, there's this idea of sort of the, the that we get a lot of attention and probably justly to those who are, are victims or those who are underprivileged or, in fact, uh, even some of your own work on social determinants of health. And, you know, outside of work hours, uh, physicians have pretty good social determinants of health usually. Um, so, how do we how do we balance uh, you know giving our I guess presumably limited stores of compassion? Why should physicians get any? Because we make a lot of money. <laughs> um, that's a great question. I think um, 
no one has to be compassionate to other people, first of all. And <laughs> that's bad to say. <laughs> I mean, they don't have to be compassionate to physicians. Um, the reality is a lot of them have tons of debt. Some of them have great social support. Some of them have crippling anxiety and desire to perform. Um, if you're living in poverty where you can't feed your children, sometimes you forget that other people are struggling, but you're not able to remove yourself from the immediacy of your pain. And that's a triage that our society isn't very good at. We aren't very good at allowing people to have pain if we have pain. Um, and I think some of that is a little bit competitiveness. When John died, people would say, oh, I'm having a bad day, but I don't want to tell you about it. And there are two things that I learned there. One, if I was in a very bad place and didn't have a lot of energy to give, I wasn't as good at being present with them. I just wasn't. Um, and two, that didn't lessen the fact that they were hurting. So we can say, oh, look, they have a lot more money than I do. They have a great car, you know, and they're still having enough mental pain that they die by suicide. Um, that's something that we need to be able to talk about. Um, how can we come together and have enough community support that we can allow everyone to have a healthy life and not, not say it's a limited commodity. And that's something I think about with social determinants of health. Um, they say your community support has a huge impact on whether or not you're going to survive an illness, whether or not you're going to make it through burnout or your risk of suicide. And that lack of support can exist at any level and any socioeconomic status. And just because I have less doesn't mean someone with more doesn't also have more mental pain than they can manage. Um, so like you're saying community support's important, but yeah, you're also sort of criticizing the physician community a little bit on how we deal with things. What do you think we're doing wrong? What do you think we need to do better as a community to be supportive of this as a thing? Oh, that's a great question. I think as a community, they need better, they need better support, but also more honest dialogue. So I mean, criticizing the, community is difficult because a lot of people really want to do what's right. And I think of it in terms of the suicide prevention community too. A lot of the people involved there have lost someone by suicide. And if you haven't lost someone by suicide, you don't assume that it touches you. And the physician community is kind of the same way where you don't want those things to touch you. And if you treat it like leprosy, <laughs> like something that is contagious, that's really difficult. And um, I think a lot of the times people want to be safe 
like in the physician community too. They want to be safe. They want to have their job. They've done a lot of work to accomplish what they do and they want to achieve something. And everyone is that way. They want to be safe and they, and they don't want to have, um, have the things that they love threatened. And in terms of society fixing that, we can, we need to reevaluate our standard of measure for success. That's not saying that, you know, people won't be very successful or we need to lower our standards. It's saying, what can we do to make a place where people could talk about thoughts of suicide? And some people that are physicians will think of that every day of their career. And is that something that you should talk about? Um, and we need better integration with, and, and I think some of this is understanding. We don't really understand, or since I like data, we don't have very good data or very good math models to predict your suicide risk or to predict your mental health. Um, and you see that with pharmacology, people don't really know hundred percent what's going to happen with your prescriptions and medicine doesn't like if they don't have good data that they can back up all their decisions and say, this is for sure going to be the outcome that we want. So maybe it just needs more attention and better research so that we can have better data. But maybe we also need people who admit that they don't know everything and that this is an unpredictable thing. So, so you're saying that maybe the, uh, the metrics of how many hours have I continuously been awake or how many hours above 100 did I work this week might be bad metrics? Um, well, we don't really use those metrics, though, to predict like you don't there are some ways that you could use metrics like that to avoid scheduling. And those would have a direct impact on, on physician burnout. If we treated it more like how are we going to optimize someone's health and get some neurologists in there? What happens to your brain and your performance after you've worked a hundred hours? Um, how can we manage and develop the workflow and our workforce to look like that? That would be success. Um, I'm saying we don't know exactly what's happening to people after those hundred hours and them taking a stimulant and continuously working. What's going to be the impact on your ability to interact with people and to relate and to maintain a level of empathy seven years from now, if you're doing that to yourself now? Yeah, no, it's sort of the, the slow burn or the, well, the burnout, I suppose, is the, the metaphor yeah. that we're using. Yeah.